All right, welcome to Banner Ops, where no topic is off limits. I'm Boomer G, and I'll be your host for this episode on social media. So I wanted to talk about social media with my bros after watching the documentary called The Social Dilemma. I asked them all to watch it as homework, so that way we can have a good discussion on the topic. Background on The Social Dilemma film. It's a documentary. It is on Netflix, but the film explores the impact of social media and technology on society, particularly focusing on the harmful consequences of platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It features interviews with former employees of major tech companies who discuss the algorithms, data collection, and addictive design strategies used by these platforms to keep users engaged. So uh, I do want to start this off with a friendship litmus test. Who watched the documentary? I think all I of did. Them. All of you guys watched the documentary? Two and a half times. You're fucking welcome. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. That was however many minutes that documentary was out of my life. <laughs> but was it good? <laughs> it was good. No, it was good. Yeah. I, I passed it along to like, I don't know, 10 other people too. After I watched it, I was like, you guys need to be watching this. It's really good. And it's not from Netflix, you know, it's actually their own company and they just host it on Netflix. So that's pretty neat too. It won two Emmys. But I think, um, you know, a lot of those things are already being discussed or being talked about, right? Or at least in people's minds. Oh, yeah. It was probably in the back back of everyone's minds yeah. that like, hey, something's going on with social media, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is just, I mean, it formalized it. You got to hear from like actual tech industry um, the people yeah. who created and and added these features and some of this stuff. Uh, I think it just made it uh, for me. It made it like very very real. I now get really paranoid when I get new notifications on my phone. <laughs> 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 so uh, before we get into the questions here, uh, I literally just saw an article on uh, clearancejobs.com. And I sent it to Zero over there because uh, we gave him a hard time of him using uh, Timu, which is like the Chinese version of Amazon that everyone is aware of now. Apparently, it's like you can see it on Facebook. And I think it was Hackerjacked and myself. We were sitting here like, dude, you need to get off that shit. That's Chinese shit. Hey, you're still in my thunder. <laughs> oh, is that one of the things that you're talking about? Yep. Hey, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, just... Yeah, we'll, we'll dive into the discussion of Timu and TikTok uh, when we get into it. So let's go to our first question. Uh, what do you think about the documentary? Do you think it has some truth or is it all propaganda? I thought it was all truth. <laughs> I thought I think it's all truth. Yeah, I think it's all truthful. Uh, I think that it, it makes sense, right? Um, I mean, all the stuff that they say in there is completely plausible from the ability for a phone to track exactly which post you're looking at, how long it's loaded for, which ones you're engaging with more, which what is with that, right, with being able to tag photos, figuring out what your profile is, what's going to engage you, what's going to keep you coming back and then throwing ads like the, the business model makes fucking complete sense. Right. And being really good at keeping people engaged, like, why wouldn't a business want to do that? Um, far as like the propaganda side i mean they did kind of hit on like whose whose job is it to try and stop things and that's still kind of like where i'm a little fuzzy on is like who whose job is it to try and stop social media outlets from doing that and to be ethical is it ours as the consumers is it the government's i don't know we can talk about it yeah that's definitely a question we'll discuss uh, a little bit later on for sure so a little bit of foreshadowing there nice 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the the film obviously it doesn't seem to be propagandist, propagandistic. That word propaganda in nature. <laughs> yeah, in, in in nature. But uh, so one of the uh, focal points is that a guy named uh, Tristan Harris. He's a prominent figure in the documentary. He's also the CEO for the Center for Humane Technology. That organization aims to address these the issues that the documentary discusses, right? He also hosts his own podcast called Your Undivided Attention, which delves deeper into a lot of those social media topics. Um, the one that I glance over, kind of going some foreshadowing here, is, is TikTok's transparency issues. Um, they go into AI dilemmas, Elon Musk's influence on Twitter, and, and a lot of these elements that he discusses really, I think, add to the documentary's credibility. When I was looking over it, I was like, yeah, this definitely isn't propaganda itself. You know, it's definitely going after what these platforms are spewing to our youth and us and us like i I was just telling i don't know who it was was you boomer about how uh, instagram is like perfectly um how we we were the perfect demographic for like this kind of shit or like the we we were talking about instagram ads instagram is bad for me and my wallet I will say that I did the the documentary and, you know, that little like overarching like meta story that was going on with the family. I was 100 percent expecting the kid to go and like shoot up a bunch of people by the end. Like that's where I <laughs> thought it was going because I was like, oh, that would be a very like propaganda, radical thing to paint here. But then he went to a protest. I'm like, oh, OK, that's nice and clean. Sorry. <laughs> spoilers, people. That's this is what happens. The kid gets uh, <laughs> radicalized by social media, so, ra- quote unquote, radicalized. I'm glad they didn't go that route. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be something right there, and be like, okay, right. Yeah. Depending on your <laughs> feelings on mass shootings and guns and whatever that hot topic, which we will talk about eventually, guys, uh, <laughs> to our listeners, tune in. <laughs> yeah. So, did the documentary make you reevaluate social media as a whole and how you use it? Uh, I think it made me kind of just reevaluate, you know, they hit it on a few times where like when you get that notification, right? You get that, that rush, like, Oh, I got to look at, I got to look at that notification. I got to interact with the algorithm. Now I'm swiping, I'm swiping away the notifications more and not interacting. It's like, I'll still look at it. Right. Cause just to make sure it's like something useful or like, Hey, is this an interesting email or something? Or did someone message me? But like, if it's just like suggestion, I'll be like, get the fuck out of here. It's, it did change my psyche a little bit. Yeah, for me, absolutely, 100%, you know, changed my perspective on social media. The documentary really goes into that addictive design, and and I catch myself all the time, right, just doom scrolling, and especially those notifications. The first thing I did right after, and I think I might have mentioned this in our Discord, um, was the first thing I did after watching it is I turned off all notifications on, on everything. The only thing I have notifications on is text messages. I'm not really, like, if you look at my Instagram and Facebook, I'm not really a big social media person anyways. I don't post a whole lot. You don't have a presence. Yeah, I don't have a big presence on there. You know, I have occasional Instagram posts, but I do spend a lot of time on Instagram reels. Those those are what's getting me, Um, especially the the funny ones. I think I post those and I send them to y'all all the time. But going into what we alluded to earlier, before I even did all the removing notifications, um, Boomer actually convinced me to delete those apps like TikTok and Timu, which I admit, right, I was a bit careless on considering the implications of having Chinese owned apps on my phone. Um, but we had some good discussions on it and ultimately chose to delete them. So I, I was never a big social media. I, I, I've never had notifications on for any social media app or anything to begin with. So I'm, I'm probably not the best. Um, I'm not going to be the, the most uh, vocal during this podcast because I, I just never 
like if you say I'm the same way, if you look at my Instagram and Facebook, like I haven't posted in years, probably. That's because you're a boomer, dude. Like you're like social media is the devil. I'm fucking the one after boomer. All right. My mom's a boomer. I don't know what the one after boomer is, but (laughs) yeah, I get it. I'm old. Go to hell. (laughs) <laughs> but no, but you still have a newspaper subscription that comes to your house. <laughs> <laughs> I get all my news from the paper where everybody <laughs> should get it from. <laughs> no, but I've I've just never been a huge social media person to begin with. But I mean, I, I can see, you know, I understand like where the the documentary is coming from, and you can kind of see it, right? Like the effect it has on society, and I don't know if it if it has as big of effect as I think it does on like people and tribalism and, and, you know, circle jerks and stuff. Right. Like, it seems like it has a really big impact to me. It does. Right. But, um, comparing to like, I guess what people were before that, I don't, I don't know. Right. That's interesting. You say that. Cause, uh, that's something we're going to dive into about manipulation. But for me, the way I use social media now, I'm like more aware of what's happening. Like I know I'm being manipulated, but it's still hard. Just like how the former tech employees said they even fall victim to their own traps and they get lost in that whole doom scrolling thing, right? Mm-hmm. And man, there's so many times like I've watched the documentary. I know it's bad. I know it's manipulating me. Then I get on a TikTok reel or, or sorry, uh, a Instagram reel or a YouTube short. Those are my two main vices. And I, I time travel, man. I'm sitting there in bed. I'm like, all right, time to go to bed. I just want to go ahead and check the last notifications of all my apps there, see if I miss anything, right? I'm like, then I see a, a short or a reel. And then I stay up until like one o'clock in the morning, just watching them because they're funny. They're good. They're short. They're quick information. I'm like, wow. And I'm like, damn it. And it literally affects my life physically. Like I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm sitting here just groggy and now I don't want to go to work or something like that. Not, I don't know. It's just, it really affects you mentally. I, I applaud both Zero and Hackerjack for doing those um, mitigation strategies to go ahead and make sure that they can stay in the present and not have it affect their lives. I need to follow suit with you guys. I mean, I mean, while we've been talking, I've definitely like I've been getting notifications, and like I said, I'll look at them, but like I'll I'll turn, I won't pay attention to them. Like the text messages, obviously, some emails, right? But I'm I'm a, I'm okay with sitting, letting it sit. Oh, I put mine on Do Not Disturb for this. <laughs> <laughs> Something that Button said a couple minutes ago kind of made me think about, and it's probably we're going to bring this up uh, multiple times whenever we talk about like digital or anything computer related. But it's it's another thing with our generation, right, is we're blessed as the Gen X's and the millennials, right, is we are the people who grew up before the advent of the Internet. And also we're kind of here when the Internet is now all encompassing. Right. So we remember what life was like before social media. So when you see all these new Gen Z or Gen Alpha, all the new people who were born in the era where the Internet was a thing already. Right. Uh, They don't know what it was like to go outside where, you know, you come in when the lights come on, right? Kind of thing. We've, we've talked on that kind of topic before. Like, they were born and raised by social media. So, like, in the documentary, there was that little girl, right, who was, you know, on Snapchat or whatever and putting a whole bunch of filters because there's this false perception of beauty, right? Like, that's how they get their interaction. That's how they get their validation. They don't go out and play with friends 
and go do things in person, they they're in their phones all the time because that's just we as parents have kind of pawned off parenting onto devices because shit, I just I just want to focus on what I'm doing here, kid. Go play with the iPad for an hour or two, right? Yeah. So that we've kind of built that ourselves to say, hey, learn from this computer, right? YouTube kids, right? They kind of talked about that, how YouTube kids as a demographic or as a product just kind of soaked up child attention for pretty much everybody because parents are like, YouTube kids is going to be safe, right? I ain't going to expose my kids to anything hard there. So here, go play with Coco Melon for the rest of the day. It's just interesting, right? We've kind of done it to ourselves. I want to go off on a tangent on that. So did you know that there's some pedophiles that were infiltrating uh, YouTube kids? They're making content that seems safe on the surface, like pictures, cartoons, and all that kind of stuff. But really, it was sending like weird messages to these kids to do some inappropriate stuff. It's fucking disgusting. Right? That's, like, that's, that's scary too, right? Like, because like I can see how that would work, right? Because parents like like you're saying, you just look at you kind of just look at what they're watching, right? You don't like maybe you're not absorbing what is like the audio of that video, right? You just look at it, you're like, oh, it's a cartoon or whatever they're doing, right? Like, oh, okay, it's fine. There was this, so we had our neighbor kids come over to the house and they're just playing around, and then uh, they kind of sat in front of the the living room TV. They're sharing like I guess YouTube channels or something that they watch. And I was in there eating and, you know, minding my own business. And then I sit down and I'm watching the show while kids are watching it as well. And then my wife was talking to the neighbor's wife. And I'm hearing this thing and it, 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 it sounds, quote unquote, wholesome. But then it got into this topic about death, right? I'm like, whoa, first off, why is a child show or channel talking about death? I don't like to shelter my kids per se, but like, well, basically, he's, um, what's the word? Making death seem like it's better than life. Where he wow. made, he had these dreams of like having the sweet release of, uh, of death, I guess you can say, where he was actually meeting God. He was, it's blissful. It's all this kind of stuff there, right? And I'm sitting here, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's This is weird. terrible messaging right here. Like, death is not something to go ahead and be, sought after right mm -hmm. like you know aside from like muslim the religion i get 12 virgins or whatever whatever kind of religion uh that kind of proposes like hey death is something to be sought after i get it but to kids that aren't mature enough to kind of process the reasoning behind that like hey if yeah. i live a good life and then death comes it's nothing to be afraid of mm -hmm. But the messaging wasn't that. It was like, hey, death is better than life. Almost like pushing kill suicide. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, uh, so I didn't want to make a scene in front of the kids, whatever. I was like, Lisa, are you hearing this? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'll talk to you after. And then the kids went upstairs and played, and I talked to both uh, my wife and uh, the neighbor's mom. Did you notice that this was saying that, whatever, and we rewatched that episode and it was like, ooh, this is not kosher. And it's not all his videos, right? So we went through all his content and it was like, okay, it was just kind of like one or two videos that kind of had this messaging. This is what's crazy. And it, it makes you feel like a bad parent too. It's like, damn it. I did this to the kids. You know what I mean? Like I should be watching what they, or at least paying attention to what they should be watching. 
But YouTube is so vast now that you can't even control anything like that. We have to be content moderators of that. And it's just scary. And absolutely right. We failed as parents in this time of age of information where we do pawn off, quote unquote, parroting to these social media platforms. Yeah, and I'll dive into it later, but and they did it in the documentary as well. Is there's no like like the film industry when when things were on TV that was moderated, right? There was somebody who was watching all these shows before they were broadcast and was putting content ratings on them or saying like, nope, you can't do that. Nope, you can't do that. YouTube for kids doesn't have that. I mean, I think to some extent, right? It has probably some basic filtering, but not like it was not like it is in the film industry. Yeah, because the, yeah, in, in film and TV, that was a government agency, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Whereas we're relying on all these platforms to to govern themselves, right? Which is conflict of interest. Let's move on to. Uh, do you think you are being manipulated? Oh, show. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, that's a complex. That's a complex question, right? Um, I, I like to think that I'm not. Right. Like I, I can't sit here and say like, I can't point to any one thing that's like, yep, this is where I was manipulated or that's where I was manipulated. Um, these algorithms, they're tailored to content to our interests and preferences. They create those echo chambers and that's where you're being manipulated is they're reinforcing maybe some of your own personal held beliefs without saying, you know, like if you don't believe climate change is real, right. You're like, Oh, you're going to hear that over and over and just going to reinforce your ideas. And then, and then you can't change. You can't hear anything else. Right. It makes it really challenging to assert that I'm not being manipulated. And I I can't sit here and say, and point to one thing. I like to think that I'm not, I like to think that I'm still pretty centered and maybe that's how these algorithms are tailored to me is is centered, but I don't, I, I don't know. Well, it's just like the example they use in the documentary, right? Like if you Google something, and then switch your, you know, turn on a VPN and switch your location. You know, you're going to get something totally different, right? Based on the demographics of that area, right? Or wherever mm-hmm. you, where you yeah. show up. So have y'all done that yet? I have um, not. I've no. seen a video about it before I watched, before I watched this documentary, I saw a video about somebody doing exactly that, right? I can't remember what exactly the, the, the query was, but it was bas- it basically just playing this, you know, they showed how Google does that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just did climate change is, and my first three are is not caused by humans, climate change is real, and climate change isn't real. So there's the top three that I got just from my location here. And depending on what you click, will then set your device yep. to say, hey, just yep. feed this information to him then. So it's really interesting too. So this is going to be a bit, maybe long. Uh, so I, I'd like to think that I'm not being manipulated as much anymore. Uh, I know I am. I 100% know I am. And on some levels, it's okay, right? So like for ads, right? I'd rather have an ad be curated to my interests than to be something like, ah, yes, don't you want to buy beans? I'm like, no, what if I have? But like, if, I, I couldn't think of anything. But like all of my ads <laughs> on Instagram are for fucking like workout gear and fucking like things that I like, like, Oh man, that's a cool looking fucking stringer or that's a really cool, you know, that's a cool backpack. Like, man, I kind of want to get that. Right. So in that regard, like I'm okay with being targeted in that way because at least then it's like, I'm being shown things that are actually interested. Like, yeah, like like zero said, like, man, Instagram, like I have bought some things off in Instagram stores and just like, fuck, I really, really want that. (laughs) Yeah. And in in a darker way, 
going a little bit political here. So back in 2016, right when Donald Trump won the election, um, at first I wasn't really, I was pretty nonplussed about it, but I was a very avid Redditor. And so as I started getting deeper into that hole, I started entering that echo chamber of pretty far left liberalism where I was, I was born and raised conservative, right? But then I was starting to get kind of shifted over by that algorithm by Reddit and pushed and Reddit is a huge, like far left rest cesspool for anybody who's out there. If you go on Reddit for any period of time, if you're not leftist, you're going to basically be shit on. It's kind of bad. But then I started getting like all of my results, all of my feeds were very liberal. And I noticed that my opinions started moving a lot more liberal. It was like, because they make sense, right? When you're, when you're watching the feed and when you're watching the, the information come in, you're thinking, well, yeah, why don't we, you know, help out the migrants? Why don't we do all these things for people? Like, why are we being assholes? Because you're looking at it from that specific lens and you're not looking at it from the opposing lens, which is who the fuck's going to pay for it, right? So, like, <laughs> so, and it also, like, started painting Republicans in just, like, a really shitty light. Like, God, fucking Republicans are assholes. They just want to burn down the country, right? It's that divisive split that they kind of talked about in the documentary. And then I kind of took, it took me getting off of Reddit and recentering myself and actually taking some political tests to realize that, no, my new opinion was pretty fucking left now. And I had to like reorganize myself, start looking at different news sources to bring myself back to center or maybe back to my true position, which is a little bit center right. It's just, it was just weird. Kind of like my own little social experiment on myself. <laughs> it's good that you realize that though, because it doesn't happen a lot. It's super enlightening. Yeah. I'm, I grew up pretty, pretty heavily towards, towards the right. And, and yeah, I did, I did stop and say, okay, let me look at different news sources. Um, my, my wife is actually leans more heavy left. Um, and then listening to her, I think taking in her opinions and my preconceived notions helped me get more back in the center. And, and again, like you said, you're looking at both sides of that lens, seeing what somebody like Fox news is saying, and then seeing what somebody like CNN is saying, and then going and looking at a third party, like, uh, what was the one I, I passed over to you, Boomer? Four, was it 1404 or 1440? Join 1440 um, and going there and looking at unbiased media content. Like it's, it's just straight facts. Like this happened, this happened, this happened. Getting out of those echo chambers can be difficult, um, especially when you're so ingrained in one side. You're like, I don't even want to hear the other side. Mm -hmm. You know, but. I agree. So 100%, I think we are being manipulated. Hacker Jack, you did say the divisiveness, and that's what I think. I think that. You can see the divisiveness of America today, and I think that is a symptom of such manipulation. Uh, it's hard to have a conversation with people now due to which information faucet they drink from. It's funny. I, I had a conversation with my brother a, a month back when we were talking about the podcast. Uh, he really liked the, the first episode, and he wanted to suggest an episode on PC culture. And specifically when it comes to sports, uh, mainly dealing with the pressure to change certain team names like the Washington Redskins and mm -hmm, the Cleveland yeah. Indians. So he's a big sports fan and lives in a sports town, but he thought of it as being a big hot topic issue. Now, when he asked me that, I was like, well, I didn't hear too much about that. Now, granted, I've been away from sports or following sports or you know, watching ESPN. And so I'm not really familiar with the whole sports news now or i'm not not familiar more ingrained with it right i'm not around it and so it's funny that that that's a good depiction of what's going on is in his sports town where everyone follows sports 
everyone in that town talks about it. So in his little bubble, he thinks that it's a bigger deal. Um, and then to me, I was like, dude, this doesn't even pop up on my feeds. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And what that does is that it, it expands that perspective to make you feel like it's a bigger issue than it really is. So if we take it to any other aspect, right, things that have happened ever since social media, right, Black Lives Matter, if you will, just all these movements that are happening now, this just seems to be accelerated. And we're actually having legislation done because of this, because we had the small minority kicking and screaming, being the loudest where everyone else doesn't really give a fuck. People are so ingrained in these little bubbles now, and it feels like it's bigger than it really is. And it causes these um, behavior changes w within these groups. Now we have all these subgroups like, hey, uh, like, I don't know what, wasn't it like, I don't know, Haggerjack, maybe you can talk to this if, since you kind of were aware of the left side. But remember when LGBT or LGBT? Q or whatever it was originally, it was just lesbian and gay uh, people. Then they started taking transgender. Then they started taking other types of people. Now it's like LGBTQ plus. It's like, okay, cool. That whole thing is morphed. But now like even then they're attacking each other within that same group. It's so crazy that people have to like harbor into that. This is my identity and that this is me. I belong to this group. So I would have to change my whole mindset to fit into this group as opposed to being, hey, this is me. I believe this or that, that and be confident in yourself to kind of lead the charge of like, hey, this is just what I believe. I don't fall into either group, which I feel like most people when it comes to politics aren't right or left. They could agree with some left ideologies. They can agree with some right ideologies. I really think a lot of people are down the middle, maybe libertarian. I'm just saying, let's go libertarians. <laughs> Look, I'm not crazy. Um, uh, see, well, uh, well, that might be another episode. <laughs> libertarians or politics, whatever. Anyways, but I think it comes down even deeper than that. I think it comes down to IQ. <laughs> um. <laughs> These guys are going to laugh because I was going down a rabbit hole for the longest time about IQ, right? But what I really want to extrapolate from this is the self-awareness. If you don't have a high IQ, you're not self-aware predominantly to manipulation or coercion or anything like that. And while you might be able to catch on later, you're not as quick about it. And if you do not have that self-awareness of saying, hey, look, maybe I'm dumb. Maybe I am being manipulated and then actually take a mental check with yourself and say, hey, I need to change things just like how Zero and Hackerjack have done. I'm going to adjust my environment so that way I'm not affected by this. I don't think majority of Americans can do that. I think they're just blind to what's going on on social media and accept it like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not being manipulated. You're the idiot, whatever. Just humble yourself and say, hey, you are being manipulated. Be aware of that. And are your thoughts actually your thoughts or are, are you just regurgitating what you've heard over the past month or so? I mean, if you like being manipulated, I mean, that's fine. There's no there's no harm in saying like, oh, man, yeah, sure. Like I'm being manipulated, but I really like sitting on TikTok for four hours. I mean, if that's your jam, then that's your jam, man. But personally, I think it's just fucking weird. I hate it. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I think that's the point, though, right? Like, hey, I just like to watch Instagram reels, whatever. But if you're not aware that 
those reels are curtailed to you and what mm. you think and your views or what you find funny, then I think you're setting yourself up for failure when it comes down to anything else in life or the way you think, period. Right? It does manipulate your behavior and your thinking. Yeah, Robin Williams, rest in peace to my boy. He he had said it, and I'm not, this is not a direct quote or anything, but he said, he was like, go outside, right? And, and talk to your neighbors. Like you're, you're reading all this stuff in the news feeds, you're reading all this stuff. You think hell is on earth right now, right? Go outside and talk to your neighbors. They're, they're probably friendly. They're probably good people, you know, like get outside of what's being presented to you on this screen and go have social interaction. And you'll find that most people aren't thinking these radical extremist ways on either side. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's what goes back. Like, I don't know where I said it, but yeah, it's basically either just hate and fear mongering, right? A lot of people think the world is a lot worse off than it maybe actually is. I don't know. Another problem is like, you know, like where you, if you allow yourself to meet or if people allow themselves to be manipulated nowadays, all those manipulated people have a bigger voice than they used to. Yep. You know, um, absolutely. Now they have a platform to share, right? Yeah. Like Twitter or X, right? Like, why is that accessible now? Because we got a lot of people that think that their opinion really matters and they just share <laughs> it and then it gets crazy, right? Those viral. <laughs> and it, it's just so hostile. Yeah. Like I said, like people love that shit, right? Like, not only, like, there's a reason why all the platforms are fear and hate mongering, right? It's because people like, you know, they suck that shit up, right? And it's not to say that, like, I don't browse Instagram now. Like, once in a while, I mean, I still will open up Instagram, right? And look at my feed, but it's all like bodybuilding memes and military memes, like One Punch Dad and freaking Mandatory Fun Day. Like, those are the guys that I like watching, or like, you know, news on this new show that's coming out or like some one of the guys that's going to the olympia show right so it's a very interesting feed that i don't it's very non-political actually and i kind of i think that's why i keep going back to instagram because i'm not getting fed a opinion i'm just getting fed in like it, like fun stuff from creators until they decide to manipulate that so that's true the documentary did talk about elections when yeah. that time frame came up there, there's a lot of pumping. They turned the dial, they said, on a certain topic. And then it just kind of one video out of 10 bodybuilding videos that you'll watch will have something that ties to that. And then maybe more and more. And you're not aware of it. You know what I mean? It's crazy. They are manipulating our fucking perspective. I know we're probably skipping topics here, but and this there was a part in the there's in the video or in the in the documentary, they kind of said Whose onus should that be? And I agreed with actually their assessment that if a company is willing to accept advertising or information that is election based, right, for example, then it is on the company to verify that the information they're putting forward is valid and not just shit. Or if they're putting forward information on or if they're willing to accept advertisements on Ukraine war, we're going to then it's onus is on them that the, that the stuff that they're presenting is actually real. Otherwise, they shouldn't be accepting the money. That's just me. That's personal views. So I like that you said that that moves us into the next topic of so we, we, we all agree that we are being manipulated in some form or fashion. Sure. Uh, do you think the companies have a moral and ethical responsibility to that? And do you think regulations from the government should happen when it comes to social media? Yes and no. 
Uh, I don't think we need a government or organization telling us what we can view and what we can't view. Uh, I think that's an overstepping of many different boundaries. Uh, the First Amendment not being the only one. Because once you start getting the government in on what you can see and can't see, you get very 1984-esque, where you get the truth police and thought police. And, uh, yep, nope, don't want any of fucking that. Uh, but I do think companies, right, like I said, should... It's it's obviously impossible for YouTube, right, to watch every single fucking video on YouTube. Because they said, like, what, like, years and years of video content is uploaded on YouTube, like, every second? They're like, it's so much movie content, it's literally impossible to view. But if you're going to make money from it, I think that's when, like, not the, like, you know, little Timmy uploading fucking, you know, riding around a bicycle, right? Talking about, you know, when the, or Democratic National Convention, right, puts forward an ad and all it is is just fucking smear campaigns on someone else. Well, that's when you should probably go back and be like, okay, is this true or is this just pushing an agenda of propaganda? Yeah, I, th- I think it could deal with a little bit of regulation, just like, you know, like we were saying, like movies and TV show, right? Um, I don't know how you would do that, you know, with, like you were saying, with, with the, the amount of hours uploaded, but um, I think there does need to be something, right, as far as, uh, I don't know, dude, I'm not smart enough to <laughs> talk about this well, but um, just like you are saying with the, with the children's videos, right, can't just let people you know, spout off whatever they want to kids, right? So yeah, it's a huge feat for these social media platforms to go ahead and moderate everything they have. But uh, I want to bring this in. So section 230 of the Communications Decency Act and content moderation, the removal of harmful user content from online platforms have become an important policy debate in recent years. There's a certain thing when it comes down to newspapers films when it comes down to being a publisher or distributor. And in recent times, which is why I think uh, Congress is trying to go after social media platforms, they always seem to jump fences. They either say, no, 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 Uh, we're just a distributor. We don't condone content from users, blah, blah, blah. But then they did the censoring. So it's like, whoa, 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 why are you censoring, right? This is free speech. Then if you're just a distributor, Oh, well, we can choose whether we uh, distribute whatever content, right? Okay, like the newsstand kind of uh, aspect, right? You can't hold that social media platform accountable for what somebody else said, but you can choose what is being put, what user is being put on your, your platform. Or you can be a publisher where everything, you are held responsible for what is said there because you are making sure that you bet all the users that are on there to give out good information, but they always jump to either side or they choose neither. Like we're neither (laughs) one of these things. So why are you blaming me? Uh, I think that's where it comes down to like, yes, we do need to update the, the communication laws to encompass social media, which is a new technology that this law does not even apply to. And something needs to be done with that, in my opinion. When it comes down to the actual companies, uh, I like Apple. For the aspect of like their app store, right? It's when you create an app, you have to get vetted by Apple and pass all these certain restrictions when it comes to your app to make sure that it is quote unquote safe and secure to be on the app store for Apple. Same with Google, even though I think they're a little bit more lax, but whatever. They're doing their good part of making sure that 
all the information or any kind of app is safe for the users according to their guidelines. So I think it is both. I think both the platforms and the government need to get involved and actually create some kind of safeguards to this when it comes down to, you know, the American people and specifically kids. But again, I'm foreshadowing. The, the problem with that, like, I like the idea. Let me, let me preface with that. Like the, the idea sounds, it's a good idea. You're just dealing with huge exponential differences in content. Where Apple, right, maybe receives like, you know, a hundred, we'll say a thousand applications a day. Sure, it seems like a lot, right? A thousand applications a day for apps that could go on the App Store. Okay, so they go through, vet the app, make sure it is what it says, make sure it's safe. It's not going to break the iPhone, blah, 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 blah. Maybe a week or two later, you get a stamp of approval that says, all right, you're, you're good to go. There's, there's just not enough time to look at all of that data coming in through YouTube through Twitch, right? Through all of these other video or content creation platforms. Now this is, I know we're hopping back a little bit. This may be a place where AI actually jumps in and solves a problem for us. Cause like we, as people, we don't have the throughput. Like I can't sit a hundred content engineers and say, all right, you're going to watch videos for the rest of your fucking life for $15 an hour, man. Yeah, no, but AI could probably do that really quickly, right? Well, they're already doing that. I mean, right? Facebook and Twitter, they've been saying, oh, yeah, it just it hit this key word and then they just filtered it automatically. And then you have to argue to say, why, why was my video banned? Oh, because it had this. And you're like, well, no, it just had that word and you have to argue. And that could be a two-week process. Yep. But by that time, everyone forgot about that topic anyway. So then you're, you're inherently censored. Yep. So is AI. And again, we talked about it before. AI is a creation of humans and the algorithms that we put into the AI. So if I had left-leaning ideologies and created algorithms to censor anything right-leaning, hey, AI is doing its job. It's dangerous. And that's just in the machine. Like the AI itself isn't, isn't going to be left or right-leaning. It's just going to be depending on when you say, because all it says is it wants cookie, right? So it puts in, you put in a video it says, I think this is good. And then if it was a left-leaning video and you slap it and say, no, that's bad, it's going to say, ah, left things are bad. Okay, here's something that's right. Here's a cookie. All right, yay. I get a cookie when I show right things. Right things, right? Yeah, yeah. but who's doing that check? Exactly. Yeah, that's the, the original. Humans. Yep. So definitely interesting, an interesting topic, right? Because we talk about government regulation. You, you cited that code, right? Another one that's really big is the DMCA, right? The Digital Millennial Copyright Act or Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Uh, where basically, yeah, content platforms have basically said, like, we're not we're not responsible for the things posted on there. We can't be. Their due diligence is like, but if something comes up, we'll try to enforce it because they've kind of already accepted the fact and kind of policymakers have accepted the fact that there's just too much fucking content out there to hold YouTube legally responsible at all times. Now, if they get informed that, oh, yeah, you have fucking copyrighted material on there and then you don't do anything about it, then that's where you come into, you know, legal pee, -pee slapping. And then you talked about, like, you know, the, the, the content where, you know, this is the opinion of, like, the Wall Street Journal or the Huffington Post or fucking whatever, right? Because they're publications and they vet everything that goes out. It's different. I don't know. I don't know the answer here. Yeah, I, I know myself as a user, right? I don't, I have, I lack ownership. I lack control over these platforms. I can't change the algorithms. I can't do anything, which is why I think the ethical and moral implications of the weaponization of these platforms, I think it rests squarely on the shoulders of these companies. I think 
especially when it comes to political campaigns, all of that, that must be vetted by these companies. So if you have Congress people that are trying to, you know, post campaigns, I think that 100% needs to be vetted by these companies. Who ensures that though? I guess the government would have to come in and say, hey, you didn't vet this stuff. I don't know. That I don't know, right? But I think the responsibility lands on the companies. Who enforces it? That's So there could be a law that says social platform companies need to fall into this category, whether it's publisher, distributor, or whatever kind of social media term that they'll use now to properly vet these companies, right? Or the the, the content that's getting pushed on their platforms to do their due diligence and to what level and how do you enforce that? That's that's another problem, right? That requires technology, obviously. AI, maybe. Find them. <laughs> but like, it, it's definitely, I think we all can agree something needs to happen. Yep. Yeah. I think I, I said, I, okay, so I think the responsibility falls on the companies to moderate it. And if it's not moderated and it leaks through for whatever reason, these companies should be fined appropriately. Uh, so in the military, for those of you who haven't been in the military, we have an organization called the Inspector General. Uh, the Inspector General itself isn't a organization that has any power over anyone in normal everyday operations. However, the Inspector General can come in if you report to them and say, hey, my commander is doing something fucky. Uh, they can come in and they come in with the fucking hammer and beat your commander to a fucking pulp. So they're kind of like the watchdog organization that makes sure that the people who are in power are actually exerting their power in a fair and equitable way and not abusing said power. So I think that's kind of the thing we're going to need is kind of an IG or watchdog organization that makes sure that, hey, company A, you didn't do your job. And it can't be a baby fine. It can't be a fine of like, oh, uh, you're going to have to pay a million dollars to the average Joe. Oh, man, a million dollars. That guy got fucked. But to the fucking companies, it's like, oh, man, that's, I won't be able to take that business trip tomorrow. Darn. Yeah. <laughs> it should be it should be like percentage based off of like oh, what yeah. the company's worth. Oh, yeah. That's a whole different topic about fucking fines and how they're going to find you 1% of your company's <laughs> worth. And to somebody like Facebook, they're gonna be like, oh, shit. Look forward to that fucking episode on fines in criminal justice system. Yeah, <laughs> dude, or free speech, right? Because we are yeah. harboring or we're, we're teetering on the line of free speech. If I do moderate a user, you zero on what you posted on X on Instagram, I'm stifling you right now. If a government law comes in there to say social media companies, they're using social media companies as proxies to go ahead and still stifling a free speech that goes against the Constitution. This is a fucking slippery slope, bro. It you is. You know what I'm saying? Very much so. That only goes against the Constitution because of a ruling called Citizens United, which determined that companies were people. Companies are not people. And I think the Citizens United is fucking stupid. <laughs> Citizens United is the, like the, the, one of the founding reasons we have so many fucking problems. And that's not just me being leftist. Like, look at lobbyists, right? I think both sides can say that the ability for corporations and companies to be able to put their fingers in like politicians pockets and then sway what a politician decides based on how much money I'm going to get from X or Y company is a huge problem. But that's again, where that's a huge tangent and social media guys. We have so many topics to discuss. We do. <laughs> All right. So let's move this on then. Do you think there should be an age limit on social media? And what are your thoughts on kids using social media? Little do you know, there actually is one. <laughs> 13. But nobody fucking follows it. 
Uh, fair. So my, my ideas on this is any retention of data about users under the age of 18 sh should not be kept, right? So if you're a user under the age of 18, period, your data should not ever be stored. You shouldn't, your data should never go to an algorithm. It should never go to any of that kind of stuff. Um, I think there's and, a child protection act or something like that. Mm -hmm. Privacy act or something like that, that where it falls under. Uh, I don't remember the exact one, but there is an act that governs that information. But the out is without the approval of a parent or guardian, which when you sign up, you check a box that says I'm over 13. I may under 18, but I'm approved by a parent or guardian to be on this. No, that, that's good. Um, and then obviously the other one I think is there needs to be some content ratings um, imposed on videos, whether that's, you know, you could probably copy the same film industry, like G PG 13 PG, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think every video should have some type of rating. And I don't know who marks that. If that's the user that marks that, like, I mean, we do it right for our, for our podcast. We say this is above, you know, for 18 and older, but one of the things I did, I don't allow any of my children on social media at all. Period. Dot. End of story. None of my kids have Instagram. None of them. I, I and I did remove YouTube for kids. Uh, mainly because of the same concerns that we talked about. Even the kid-friendly versions like we had talked about, they're not as kid-friendly as we think they are, which is why I removed all those. So my kids have no social media. They can't have social media until they're 18 and out of my house. I agree. Uh, I, I've talked to the wife about this too, because uh, Aiden's about to hit middle school. Uh, that's my son. And we made it a point. It's like, look, we don't want him to have any social media on his phone, we do want him to have a phone because everyone, every kid nowadays has a phone there, but I want to be able to contact my son immediately if I have to. Mm. And with the, the rise of school shootings and all that kind of stuff, right? I want him to be able to like send me a text message or contact me in real time and say, dad, shit's happening at the school. Uh, some kid's going crazy and is shooting it up, blah, blah, blah. I'm in here, whatever, right? And uh, I want to be able to know that. And man, I get so bothered, especially about this Uvalde shooting that happened where the police just stood by. That seriously pisses me off. Like I, I would, in my mind, like I, I've said this before to you guys, like I have no qualms. If you killed my kid, I will kill you and I will serve a life sentence in prison and maybe even the death penalty for doing that because you killed my son. But I'll accept the consequences of the rule law of this land that I did something bad. But guess what? You kill my son, I'm killing you. I'm fucking Liam Neeson, man. I will come after you, right? <laughs> See, I, I would take a step further and say, I'm going to kill you slowly. It's not going to be a quick <laughs> death. I'm much more of an asshole in that regard. <laughs> You're going to learn from this for oh, yeah. the next You're not three gonna days. Get, You're not going to get some easy, quick out. No, no. You have to, you have to be punished. You're going to be punished. Yep. This is going to be a painful experience for you. <laughs> Fingernail the time, baby. So did you know? So according <laughs> to cyberbullying.org, about 21% of teens have been cyberbullied and about 13% admitted to cyberbullying others at some point in their lifetime. And according to the Youth Internet Safety Survey from 2000, 2005, and 2010, they find a slight increase in cyberbullying behaviors over that time period from 6% to 9% to 11%. So it's rising. You get what I'm saying? Social media is the avenue for these kids to cyber bully kids. And we know that mental health is such a big thing nowadays and suicides and school shootings, which 
I think is a mental health issue, not a gun problem. Uh, changed my mind. <laughs> so, like, if we are understanding this and we're trying to create safety, and really it comes down to our kids, whoever has kids, right? That is a big concern. So, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I, I think it's up to us as parents to also help mitigate a lot of that, right? So, like I said, banning, you know, my kids can't have Instagram. I don't know if y'all have, I, I highly recommend Apple iPhones for. For parents, there's a thing called screen time in there where you can limit application downloads, application deletions, um, how long they're on their screen, obviously locations on there, certain contacts, right? So like I manage all of my oldest daughter's contacts on there. So I know who she has on her phone. She can't add anybody. She can't receive text messages from anybody that's not on her phone. Um, highly recommend that. And, and it does help with that content moderation for us because I think that falls, they're, they're not 18, right? Like that falls on us to take care of them. So that, I recommend that. And I think that's what we need to be doing for our children is watching what they're texting, by the way. I, I, I don't give a fuck if you think, you know, your children deserve some type of privacy. I agree. They do deserve some type of privacy. Go read their fucking text messages. You will find out so much. Sorry, this is a personal thing for me, but uh, you can find out a lot about what they're going through. Um, that they won't tell you about because you're their parents and, and not to say that you can read their, read their stuff. If it's something that's like not going to hurt them or somebody else, you can pretend like it didn't happen if you will, but, but go on there. It, they're not going to talk to you, unfortunately, um, about a lot of things. So read their text messages, invade their privacy a little bit because you got to protect them. I'm going to give, I'm going to give zero a break for a sec. Uh, I know this is a very personal topic for you right now. You, when we talk about cyberbullying, right? Like it's it's kind of weird again thinking because like we grew up in the old internet, right? Like we grew up in the days of 4chan and Xbox Live lobbies. Uh, <laughs> so like cyberbullying to me is interesting because it's like you go into an Xbox Live lobby and every twelve year old's fucked your mom, and you're getting <laughs> called every slur under the sun uh, that is racial and whatever, right? And it's just normal. Is is it correct? Absolutely not, right? That's not like that's not like an accepted good behavior, right? But like then you see like 4chan, right? Is the literal fucking shit stain of the internet, uh, which I don't even know if it's still around. I think it is. But anyways, uh, like that that's one aspect, right? So like when I think of cyberbullying in the documentary, they kind of gave you gave an example where like she posted a picture and she was and then like someone responded like oh man, your ears are big or something like that. Like is that cyberbullying? Like what what is the what is the spectrum here? Like, can I, if I criticize someone, is that cyberbullying versus, you know, I know Zero's situation and whether he wants to divulge it or not is completely up to him. But I would say in a situation where like someone is being um, targeted specifically and like repeated attempts of contact, I would say that is most definitely right. But where's that line? Where have we, where have we moved? Where's the line where it's just like internet banter and you need to just suck it up versus no, this is a problem and you're being targeted. Yeah. Social media has really created, and we all know this term, right? Keyboard warriors. Right. Right. You're, you're hiding behind the screen. There's no immediate implications of what you say. So you, you stuff that you wouldn't say to people to their face, you now go and you're like, oh, I'll, I'll say that you have big ears. Right. If you said that to the person in, in front of them, they, they might beat your ass, you know, <laughs> like you get keyboard warriors now who just, just vomit, just hate and you know, whatever it might be. And, and there's no repercussions for that. So I don't know. 
hard thing. What you got buttons? No, I was just gonna. I was. I was gonna go off. Um, on a, like, uh, I'm. I'm not wording right now. But yeah, basically, I was just gonna kind of continue on with your thought of like the difference between like a, a video game lobby and actual bullying, right? I don't. I don't consider. You know, there, there's a there's a there's a big difference between that and and what some people experience online, right? Because like you look today, like so like League of Legends, right? Arguably one of the most toxic games probably out there. And it's it's interesting, right? Because you have a situation where like in for those of you who don't play, there is a when you're playing, you have the ability to talk to the enemy team while you're playing. Uh, so if you do something that's really stupid or if you like kill the enemy team and they get all butt mad about it, they can talk back to you. And it creates this really interesting environment where teams were like telling each other to like, oh, go fucking kill yourself. Shit like that. Which then the company was like determined that, oh, telling someone to go kill themselves is cyberbullying. But like when I'm sitting over here, like you sell me to go kill myself and we'd be like, okay, bro. But I guess for some other people, they may take that to heart because I don't know their, their thing. But I think that's kind of that line of like, should you just suck it up? Additionally, we talk about like kids, right? Kids cyberbullying other kids. I think that's a big problem, right? Because we figure when you, when you think about kids, right? They're not mentally developed. And it's the whole reason why we put these protections on our kids because they don't have the capacity to make correct decisions for themselves on an emotional or logical level because they're still growing until they're 25, right? That's usually when the brain is like fully developed and the frontal cortex is fucking actually a thing. And people are able to make sound logical decisions that aren't based on instinct or fucking whatever. So if you're trying to like give these kids a platform of social media and you just say, hey, here you go. Yeah, they're going to be little shitheads on it. Like, I'm sure we've all dealt with kids that have come up and just said things that are just like, wow, that, that was fucked up, kid. Like, I've heard like little kids say the N word, like, just, just black, right? And they weren't black. Like, huh? I've heard freaking kids just you know, come up and just say like some weird insult. And it's just like, why, why did you say that? I can't hit you because you're a kid, but that was fucked up. Like <laughs> kids don't get it. Kids don't, don't, they don't associate action with consequence correctly. So they can't see what they're doing to other kids being a problem because it doesn't, it, it, it that connection is, can't be made. What do you guys think? So I think we're in an era like of uncharted territory where the kids that are growing up now have never had the experience that we all had, right? We, we were there before social media was a thing. So if you did say something to somebody, you got immediate feedback by getting your ass beat, <laughs> right? You don't get that anymore. So, you know, we all grew up in the age of Call of Duty before there was reporting and before there was a lot of that moderation. So you would talk a bunch of shit, but then you go out in the real world and you're not going to do that because you're going to get your ass beat. We're in uncharted territory now where kids aren't learning that immediate feedback. They're doing everything through social media, through uh, chat rooms, through all that kind of stuff. So it, it, I don't know the answer on how to. I, again, I, I go back to us as parents needs to be the first line of defense on monitoring our kids, you know, platforms and, and their technology. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's uncharted territory. Something's got to change. And, and they allude to that in the documentary of, again, they don't know what needs to change, but something does. So to close this out, I want to go over some cyberbullying facts, uh, really some generalizations of it. Again, this is just generalizations, and this is straight from cyberbullying.org. So you guys can go ahead and check it out if uh, you think I'm lying. But one, 
Adolescent girls are just as likely, if not more likely, than boys to experience cyberbullying as a victim and offender. Uh, Cyberbullying is related to low self-esteem, suicidal ideations, anger, frustration, and a variety of other emotional and psychological problems. Cyberbullying is related to other issues in the real world, including school problems, antisocial behavior, substance abuse, and delinquency. And traditional bullying is still more common than cyberbullying, but traditional bullying and cyberbullying are closely related. That's straight words from what they said. So I want to go ahead and close this out with what are your guys' uh, recommendations to maybe parents or even adults to fellow adults when it comes down to social media? I don't have kids, so I'm not qualified to say shit. Uh, you're an adult, though. Do you have any recommendations for adults? Recommendations for adults? Uh, stop using that shit. <laughs> um, there's a quote from Tim Kendall in the, uh, in the documentary. It says, we need to make sure that the technology is being used to bring out the best in humanity not the worst. And I, I've kind of already alluded to, uh, I've already said all my spiel on what I think parents need to do. So I'll leave it at that. I'll just stay again. So the, the, for adults, I'd say just be cognizant of what you're doing. Again, if you want to doom scroll on TikTok for three hours and sell all your information to the Chinese media, which we didn't hit on, by the way. Oh, well, maybe later. Uh, if you want to do that, I mean, that's, that's your choice, right? You're in a fucking adult. Do whatever you want. You want to spend three hours and do nothing productive with your life and then realize three months from now, like, what have I done for the last three months? Yeah, that'll come. Don't worry. That day will come. And uh, you'll realize then that you probably want to make a change. The dopamine hit isn't worth it. Just do whatever you're comfortable with. As far as for kids, um, again, I'm not a parent, but as a person who wants to eventually have kids, the way I'm going to treat my kids is I'm, I'm going to control their stuff. I'm going to be very hyper aware of what they're doing and having a cybersecurity background, I'm going to control a lot of what they do online without them even fucking knowing it. It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. It sounds like a fun challenge. Um, I probably do the same thing. Very little social media interaction until they're probably like 15 or 16. Obviously like boomer said, I'm going to give them a phone because I want to be able to talk to my kid and I want to be able to relay instant messaging, like an instant communication, but just be aware. Be involved in your, with your kids, man. That's it. Yeah. When it comes down to adults, just have the self-awareness that you are being manipulated some form or fashion and uh, think your own thoughts. Legitimately think about the topic that is being discussed and where you fall on that. Don't let social media or don't just spew what somebody else has said on the internet. That's probably hard for a lot of people to do. I know I'm victim to it. I take news and be like, oh, yeah, well, this is this. And did you not read that? Or you get all high and mighty about it. You have to check yourself. It comes with maturity. You have to just be self-aware and know that you're not the smartest person in the world, probably the dumbest person. That's probably the best way to look at it. If you just think that you're the dumbest person, then question everything and really do the research and be like, okay, let me get logic or a good understanding about this topic before I say it. I would say that us talking on this podcast, we probably don't do too much of that either. And we'll make fun of ourselves years from now when we talk, look back on previous episodes. We're like, man, we were stupid back in the day. Should have done more research. <laughs> Should have done more research. So, But just give yourself that, that amnesty, but also try to grow and be better as a person. When it comes to kids, 100%, it's up to the parents right now. 
we have to make sure that our kids are loved at home. I mean, you talk about some of the cyberbullying facts. One of them was low self-esteem, suicidal ideations, anger, frustration, and a variety of other emotional and psychological problems. I think that's the majority of all problems when it comes to mass shootings and anything like that is because these kids aren't loved. They don't know how to uh, process their emotions. They don't have a way to talk this through or experience it in a good, safe environment. So it is 100% crucial for parents to be there for their kids, be involved in their lives, snoop through their text messages. Back in the day, our parents would say, if you're living under my roof, you follow by my rules, <laughs> right? Once you move yep. out, do your own thing, right? That still applies today. I don't know, maybe millennials and Gen Z don't follow that nowadays, but that's what we were taught. And it's like, okay, fine. And we couldn't wait to move out, right? And then we learned life the hard way because <laughs> we went through all the dumbass mistakes that they told us not to. Like, God, you guys were right. Yeah, I shouldn't have done this or I shouldn't have went down this path or whatever, right? So you have to create that environment where they can be good human beings, where they feel safe, where they can talk about their emotions, where they can just, I don't know, not have this mental health problem. And social media definitely aids to the destruction of mental health. So be aware of that and make sure that you love your kids. Amen. It's all about the kids, man. They're society's most treasured resource. Yeah, our future. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, if you would like to discuss this topic with us or any other topic we've talked about, consider donating to our Patreon, which will give you access to our private Discord server. Go to banneropspodcast.com and click the link to the Patreon to get more details. The website is a work in progress, but we're getting there. We appreciate your support. Until next time, Banner Ops, signing out. Thank you.